This episode of Spawn on Me is brought to you by PUBG Mobile. Jump into battle with PUBG Mobile today and experience the brand new collaboration with Metro Exodus, featuring the limited time Metro Royale mode. Introducing two new maps within the boundaries of Erangel, Metro Royale has you facing off against both monster and enemy opponents alike. Play to survive, collect as much loot as possible, and ultimately, escape. Download PUBG Mobile today from the App Store or Google Play Store and play for free. Did you all know that hair weaves for men were really, really expensive? Spawn on Me is the premier podcast spotlighting people of color. Every week, we talk news, what we've been playing, and tell you who's invited to the cookout. Our show is all about talking about gaming through a prism of blackness, because we are the culture. Welcome to Bukaka, y'all. What the deal be everybody here in Chicago? This is the Spawn of Me podcast with Khalif Adams. I'm your host, Khalif Adams. I hope you are all doing well. I hope you're all maintaining. I hope you're all doing all right. I hope you are all distancing. I hope you're washing your hands, washing your butt, making sure that you are okay in this COVID pandemic. I hope that everyone is doing okie dokie smoky. I am rocking with the wonderful folks here in Chicago. We have a fantastic show for you. But before we get into that, we have to give love to all of the folks who rocked with us last week on our wonderful show. We had lots of things to talk about. We knocked it out the box as usual. Uh, and it's good to be able to see you all here back again. What I have to do before we get anything done is give our sponsors, the wonderful folks over at PUBG Mobile, a big shout out for sponsoring the show this week and last week. Uh, we have another slot with them, I think, next week as well. Uh, again, I've been getting my chicken dinners all, all week. Uh, on mobile i've been handling my business uh doing my thing uh, and making sure that i'm rocking people shooting people in the pans if you know what i'm talking about so it has been very very good uh, to be able to see them support us as a show and and of course to see all of you rocking and hanging out with us uh, uh as always with us on the spawn of me podcast first of all i gotta say I am a little bit disappointed in not understanding that the NBA season, the preseason was starting back up uh, right after the bubble games had already happened. I swore that we were not going to have any more games for a long time. But again, this has been the longest year of all years. Uh, and it is December where there is actual basketball happening right now. So that means that my terrible Knicks are, are, are definitely going to be in a spot where nothing is going to happen that's good for them. Like we're going to lose every game uh, as usual. We're going to go and probably be in the lotto again uh, as usual. But the thing that is beautiful about the Knicks is that in the early nineties, they had one of the best, they had one of the best uh, sequences in terms of their warm up material in terms of their warm up music. And I think it's only appropriate that we give them some love this week because of the announcement. If you missed it last week uh, during the Game Awards, shout out to Jeff Keeley and the rest of that crew, your boy uh, was named one of the future class of the Game Awards. So I think the best way to kind of talk about that is giving you all a little bit of New York love when we do that. Standing over at center. Standing 5'11", up 200 and something or other pounds. It is your boy, Khalif Adams. Khalif Future Class Adams. Let's go. It is your boy. They have recognized your mans. Let's get it in. Let's go. I just wanted to say, I just wanted to say that that, that was exactly what needed to happen. That, that's it. It's, it's nothing, nothing special. Nothing, nothing big, nothing grand. I just want to say your boy, Khalif Future Class Khalif Adams is in the building. 
and, and making sure that everything is looking real good up, up in this piece. So I wanted you to all see that because I spent an extra 15 minutes making that. <laughs> so it was worth, it was worth it all. Damn it. It was totally worth it all. Um, all I have to say, again, thank you for all the love in the chat. Thank you for all the love that we had on, on social media uh, during this particular week. It was a lovely and fantastic. And, you know, I, the things that I appreciate the most about Bricago is that when we get wins, we all get wins. And I think that that is an, a very special thing that we have here uh, within our group, within our crew. Uh, and within our family here at Spawn on Me. So thank you again for all the love. Thank you to all the folks who nominated me. Thanks to all the folks who got us in the door into that future class with so many wonderful folks that you all know and love as well. But this week is all about our wonderful guest. We have, we have somebody fantastic who I've been hoping to get on the show for a little bit because, you know, sometimes you have to, you have to dig into your, dig into your bag and, and try to find uh, awesome folks that, that have great opinions and, and great viewpoints on, on the gaming industry. We are very, very lucky uh, this week to have the one and only general manager from the gaming division of Intel. We have Marcus Kennedy joining us this week on our show massive love to him thank you everybody for giving us some love in the chat marcus how are you doing how's everything going uh, i mean i'm doing great but not as great as uh future class adams over here uh shouts to <laughs> shouts to keely I, now i gotta deal with uh deal with the big head that you've given him Jeff, so thanks for that uh <laughs> i mean i mean i'll keep I, I keep it pretty chill you know i won't i won't wild out with with the, the future class stuff i won't put it on uh you know any any work emails it won't go on my signature and things like that but <laughs> um, a, a, a little bit of really quick housekeeping because uh, Marcus is on the show with us. Marcus and I work together. We are co-workers. He is, he is my boss, my manager. Um, and it is, it is awesome to, to, to kind of flip the table uh, or flip, the, flip the, the chairs a little bit and get a chance to have you on the show because we've had many, many meetings, one-on-ones and all those things about, about work and all that. But again, thank you so much for, for joining me tonight. It's, it's, it's a pleasure to have you and I'm really excited that we get a chance to do this. So hype for that. I'm happy to be here, man. Thank, thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you, you, you called me your boss. I, I, don't, I think it's the other way around, right? You, <laughs> you tend to boss me around, just to be clear for all those on the call. <laughs> I ask for things really nicely. I try to say, hey, can I please That's have... That's true. You boss me around really nicely. <laughs> please have stuff. Can you please give me this thing that I need to do this other stuff? Um, but it is, it is one of those cool things where, you know, I, I am in a very fortunate position to be able to have a, a, a secondary platform to be able to do this work. Um, and it was one of the things that got me into Intel in the first place. But this, the, the, the conversation tonight is about you and, and how you got into Intel and how you became a part of this huge industry that is a multi-billion dollar industry that we see happening throughout every year. It continuously is growing. Um, give the folks at home a little bit of information about you, how you kind of got into the gaming industry and, and, and how you started your kind of love for gaming uh, overall. Oh man, that's a that's a lot of questions in there. Uh, <laughs> let, let me let me let me break that up a little bit because uh, just to be clear, right? I I kind of backwards fell into this job at huh. Intel, uh, <laughs> but my love for gaming is lifelong. Uh, so so let me let me break those two things up just a little bit. Um, so so I've been at Intel almost fifteen years. Uh, I'm an industrial engineer, kind of grew up in manufacturing, all that kind of stuff. Um, 
and uh, I, I got my MBA while I was working at Intel. Shouts uh, to a company that helps pay for that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, through a bunch of kind of movement in the company, like you know, most corporate. Uh, most corporate folks, right? Uh, I, I kind of found my way uh, into a bunch of different jobs, had somebody pick up the phone and say, hey, I think you might be really good at this. Uh, why don't you throw your name in the hat? Um, I threw my name in the hat, went through the interview process, and, and here I am. It's way more complicated than that. And you know, I don't know how long this, <laughs> this uh, podcast is, but I'm happy to you know, crack open the details of that. But that's, that's how I got the job. Um, now, why he picked up the phone and called me in particular is because uh, kind of as a side gig, a side hustle, you know, we all got our side hustle. So um, uh, while I was working at Intel, uh, I, I was also a, I'll call it a semi-professional video game player. Cause, cause I want to say professional video game player. Cause that puts things into people's <laughs> minds when I was doing it, there were no million dollar contracts. There was no, you know, $10 million purses that wasn't there. Right. We were making, you know, three figures, four figures, five figures at the tops, right. Uh, for an event. And, uh, <laughs> so I was doing that on the side. Uh, my main game was smash brothers. I'm, I'm wearing a shirt, right. Right now, Smash Brothers. Oh boom. yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so I was a Smash Brothers melee player. I also played Halo, and before that, I used to build systems and play uh, Counter Strike um, back in the you know Source days. Uh, for for those of you who, who who remember back then. One point two, baby. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's 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 why they picked up the phone and thought I'd be good at this job, right? I had a good mix of skills, uh, had a good relationship with the manager, and he was like, "Hey, I know you have a passion for gaming. Why don't you come do this?" And and so yeah, I, I run our gaming and esports segment. Uh, we we drive all the stuff around esports and all the things that Intel does in that space. Um, and we got a pretty good business uh, selling chips into gaming PCs, desktops, and, and notebooks, and all that's uh, all that's in my purview too. Um, yeah. Now, that lifelong gaming thing you mentioned, I'm just going to go back to that just for a second. Yeah. Uh, I think the first time I played a game, um, it was probably one of those little, uh, one of those little like dual-sided uh, Nintendo flip pocket things you, you know oh, what i'm talking yeah. about it was a donkey kong it was like one of those with the with the button on one side that was just it just had one button and uh, the, the, the control pad on the other side yeah it was like the old school ds right yeah. uh, uh you know i had a ds a long time ago that was like my first video game system uh and i i was just kind of hooked from there um i i coded a couple of video games myself on my first computer um to so i could play my own games uh i played you know at nintendo i was a nintendo fanboy growing up so nintendo super Nintendo uh, through N64. Um, I'm a big fan of GoldenEye. Shouts to Ajab, right? <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, um, like all of those, like Mario Kart, all that stuff. Like that's that's how I grew up, man, um, was, on, was on games, playing games against my friends and my brother. Yeah, I mean, it is it is always one of those things where, I, I, you know, I ask a lot of folks who, who wind up in the industry of like, how the hell did you get here? Because this is one of the <laughs> weirdest, uh, you know, industries to find people in and how they got in here is always super different like there are very few people who actually make games who are like when i was young i wanted to make games and then i could went to go make games it's very rare that you hear that conversation not, yeah um yeah it, that was definitely not my path <laughs> yeah i mean you, you know you started on the kind of the, the engineering and mba path and uh, and and that's really interesting in and of itself to see how you know those th those parts of of you that come from the you know your pre-gaming industry self manifest themselves in 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 the job that you do now 
I would I would assume that, and and I see it every day. But I, the, the the knowledge you have as a gamer comes through in the work that that winds up happening in in your job. Do you get a chance to really kind of tap into that in real ways during doing the job that you do? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, so p- part of any kind of product job where, where you're making a thing to try to sell to someone else, right? Your, your job is to try to make sure that you make the best thing for the people you're trying to sell it to, right? Um, and so the reason why they thought I'd be good at it was because I have a passion for this space. I love video games. You know, I didn't mention I grew up in arcades. Like, I'll, I, I've been video gaming all my life. And so, um, you know, I've built computers and, and I've built my own here. And so, you know, when we start talking about what it takes to build a really good computer, what it takes to have a great gaming experience on that computer, uh, or what it's like to game on the same game on your phone versus on a console versus on a PC, where you get the best experience, what it's going to take, where gaming's going. All of that stuff is stuff that I, I read about and I live every day anyway. Like, it didn't matter what job I would have. Like, I'd be doing that <laughs> stuff anyway, right? And so I just happen to be able to do that and spend those hours, and it's actually helpful for my job, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, it comes out, you know, I, um, I'll, and then it comes out in, a, in another way, too. I, I get to geek out and fanboy sometimes, too. So I, I, I was at dinner one time. Uh, we did this launch with uh, Avengers recently, right? Mm-hmm. We had a, a big partnership with, with Square Enix and, uh, and when that game launched. And uh, the director of that game was also on, uh, you know, the director of games like Final Fantasy and was on Chrono Trigger and all mm-hmm. these other things. And I was like, oh my God, like, <laughs> can we talk about, <laughs> can we talk about all of this stuff? Can we talk about Chrono? Can we talk about Marl? Can we talk about Frog? Can we, like, I, I was like going in and geeking out about the soundtrack and the score and you know the storyline and all of these other things about games that span back decades probably in ways that you know uh, a random engineer probably couldn't <laughs> yeah. in this job yeah i mean one of the things that i really appreciate about not only the, the, the about the company of intel and especially the gaming group that we're all in is it's been very rare i've been at intel for for two years now a little bit a little bit over and this is the first job where i've been able to speak to other folks in daily language that is about and through the vernacular of, of, of which gamers speak. Right. And, and never feel like I'm out of place or that I I need to figure out ways to manufacture language to get it so that people can understand it. I'm like, Oh, I'm like, yo, that, that thing, whole thing was buggy. And this was the thing that got botched. And you know, this DLC over here is all raggedy and people like, yeah, Oh yeah, totally. Yep. I, yeah. You're right. Like, like, like yep. how 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 cool is that part of the job too? Is is knowing that you know being a, a person who loves games in that way to be able to kind of speak the language of gamers in your job every day. Super cool. It's it's super duper cool. It's like uh you know it's that moment uh when you know you found your tribe, right? Like mm. uh I, I'm 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 fortunate enough to come into work every day and work with a great group of people like you who not only just kind of get games and every person on our, t- on our team, by the way, aren't gamers, right. um, but, but they understand and are, you know, it's a bunch of inquisitive people, people who want to learn, people who can't wait to share that knowledge and just love, you know, working with people that they love to work with. And so that culture of, you know, working with folks around you who can speak the same language, who are excited to come to work every day, yeah. man, it, 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 it really gets me up every day. Yeah, it's it's so interesting because I think that one of the things that I that I reflect upon often um, is the 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 change that I see in in the ways that people kind of talk about games in in at work and and kind of you know on the periphery 
uh, of what we do. But I think that the thing that makes it the, the coolest is we do have so many folks within our within our group that don't play games and they and they have a really fantastic uh, knowledge of not necessarily just the way that the kind of ins and outs of the gaming industry work, but from a very nuts and bolts perspective, even though they don't play, they understand it. And they, and they don't mm-hmm. kind of like poo-poo on other folks who are just like, well, oh, that's a pastime that you have and it doesn't really make that big of a difference and all that kind of stuff. Like nobody poo-poos any of the stuff yeah. uh, that we do no. in that space. And I think that that is a fantastic part of not only the, the culture that we have um, in the company and in our group, but but across you know the way that you've kind of set up our group to be able to talk about this stuff in, in kind of open ways, which I think is really dope. I, I think if even if you don't understand games, you understand passion, right? Yeah. And and I think uh, if you if you you know get a bunch of good people together who understand and are willing to listen to each other in different points of view, um, and who understand passion, right? Then you can talk about anything. Uh, and and you know I, I just I just like working with people I like working with. I, I just have a you know a bias to that, and so I try to I try to just go hire good people that I like working with. Sorry. <laughs> oh damn it! That's damn my bias. Damn That's it! Bias. Liking good people to work I'm, with. Luckily, it's not illegal. Who, who I'm does that? Illegal to do that? Who does that these days, right? Um, I want I want to dig into a little bit of the 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 kind of nuts and bolts of some of the stuff that you work on and some of the things you kind of do. I know we can't talk about specifics on a lot of different things, but I think for one of the things that I, I appreciate about our show is that it kind of started from a place of curiosity of saying, I see people who look like me in the industry um, and, 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 and I'm looking for more of those folks. Um, and I want to know, you know, what was the, the, the journey for them that got them into the position that they got to. Um, and for a kind of overall like umbrella of 70 foot feet, uh, look at what a GM does uh, in a position like this. Give the folks at home a little bit of a, you know, synopsis of what that what that kind of entails. <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna uh, because you told me you know before that this is a close community. I'm be real with y'all. Yeah. Uh, the first the word that went through my mind is shit show. Um, <laughs> only only because right. <laughs> Only because, uh, you know, all the problems are the first things that come to your mind, right? Uh, but, you know, the, the job of a GM, uh, I say by and large, it's, it's really two things, right? Um, one, it's to try to make sure you make decisions effectively and quickly, <laughs> mm. right? Because uh, pe- people come to you for resources, they come to you for direction, all these other kinds of things. And you got to be able to say, yeah, okay. Uh, thank you for giving me your input. Let me hear your perspective. Okay, here's the decision based on all that stuff, right? Be able to do that really fast, I think, is a mark of a, of a pretty good GM. Now, I don't know if I'm there, uh, but that's that to me is one of the things I, sh- I strive for every day. Um, what you don't want is somebody who can kind of drag out decisions or make a decision one day and then change their mind the next day and all that stuff. Like you gotta, we 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 get. You know, I think paid in this job to be able to make those decisions and stick to them based on all the inputs that we get, right? So, so that's the number one thing. Um, the second thing I think uh, that we get that, that's kind of really part of this job is I'll call it influence, and it's both influence up, side, and down, hmm. right? So uh, influence up because it's my job to help you know, position uh, what it is we're trying to accomplish with the executives of our organization. So like, you know, our our CEO, Bob Swan, and our executive leadership team with folks like Gregory Bryant, who leads our organization, 
he's an awesome manager, but every day, you know, every week he's asking me, Hey, what should we be doing in gaming uh, to try to tell him, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, here, here's what we need to go do. And I've got to tell him in an effective way that lets him make the best decision so that he knows that I've got credibility and that, you know, uh, that we're doing the right stuff to grow what we're trying to go accomplish in, in the industry. Um, sideways, there's a bunch of people we work with, right? Mm. Really big companies like ours. Uh, you know, I've worked at small companies. I've worked at big companies. Um, I, I've, I've found things I like about both, right? Um, small companies, you get to wear a lot of different hats. Mm. Uh, you get to, you know, do a lot of different things all at once. It's fast paced. It's great. Uh, and you can really dive deep, but you don't always get to drive things at the biggest impact that you want or, uh, to, you know, make as big traction as you want. Sometimes you've got one bet and if that bet fails then that company's gone, right? Yeah. Um, whereas a really big company, the cons are something could move really slowly, but man, if you can get it to move, the impact you can have at a really large company is, is nothing like you can do anywhere else, right? You can't find it anywhere else. Um, and so it takes a lot of people working together to make that happen. And so influencing across like partners, whether it's engineering organizations or, you know, people who are going and working with publishers directly, uh, like the Square Enix, like there was a couple of folks who helped me get that meeting, right? Uh, and they're in a different organization. So partnering with folks like that, partnering with our other organizations to go, our sales and marketing teams, all that stuff, um, and helping make sure they know what we need to do and helping make sure they're driving and helping us all row in the same direction. That's the influence sideways. And then down, it's, am I inspiring enough to get people to want to lead, to, to you know follow where we want to lead, right? Um, so I, I look at it as decision-making and influence, and within that influence is you know, leadership and you know, influencing up too. That's well, how I view it. I didn't talk about like hiring the best people because I think that's a job of any manager, not just a general manager. Um, so, having having sat in on some some interviews, you know, across across many teams, I've I've moved a couple teams during the time that I've been there, and, and seeing, uh, and I've been fairly lucky to be honest. Like, unlike many jobs that I've had in the past, every manager I've had so far in at Intel has been brilliant. Like, it's been. One of those things where I was just like, damn, you're smart. I want to learn more from you. And and then they kicked me off the team. But that's another conversation. No, I'm just playing. But it's, until it, me. Until me. <laughs> you until didn't me. say until me. Until no, 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 no. Of course. Uh, but, but I think the, the thing that I the thing that I kind of pull back to when you have that conversation about influence and how, you know, it is multidirectional in the way that that stuff works. You know, you're in a really special position in, in not only the industry of 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 intel and what they do from from that perspective knowing just how 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 big of the business it is that that we kind of occupy in the space on the pc side very specifically how does it feel to kind of know that the work that you're doing as well is influencing the kind of future of games in so in some ways you're kind of you multi you know multifaceted in that way where the work that not only just you you doing you're doing and our group is doing but you know across that influence that you're that you're going to have within our team and, and a part of our team that we're going to be able to kind of figure out ways to change what gaming looks like not only now but in the future yeah i i love the way you said that um because it hits right at the core of i, I think why i'm here why I'm here at this company, why I'm here at this company doing this job, why I'm here at this company doing this job with these people, right? Is because uh, I, I honestly, truly believe that we're changing the world every day. You know, it, it, it sounds a little trite, might sound a little corny, um, but we're working on things from, you know, that'll impact lives today, 
uh, and we're working on things that will impact lives two years and five years and 10 years from now, mm. right? And I, I don't know if anywhere else that I, I can be uh, where I can do that in the gaming space right now. Like this this opportunity we have right now and in this space where the gaming uh, industry is just transitioning with cloud gaming coming on, the consoles uh, coming on, right? And uh, we've got these great launches. You can't buy one right now, but these great launches. <laughs> uh, and, uh, right? um, and we've got, you know, a, a great competitive market. I love competition, by the way, right? And so, yeah, we, we have a you know resurgent competition on the PC side. And that's great because I'm fueled by competition. I want to compete. And it makes my blood boil every time, you know, something happens where I'm like, ooh, we might be losing. Ah, we're going to go and compete and, you know, bring our scale to bear so we can do the best we can and, and compete most effectively, right? So yeah. uh, so I, I honestly believe we're changing the world. And if I can give an, a quick example, right? Yeah. It's a really small example. Uh, and it's a near-term example. It's not like, you know, technology that we're working on that I'm going to get in trouble for saying anything about. There's a lot of that stuff too, but it's really near-term. So we, we launched something uh, this year uh, called Intel Inspires. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, it's an esports program, um, and the focus of that esports program is, you know, we, we do a lot of esports stuff with professionals, with like Intel Extreme Masters, with ESL as a partner, uh, all the way down through like grassroots with Intel Masters Challenger, for example, in China, where we just bring people and we help them compete on the best stage uh, on PCs the best they can, right? Power their best performance, all that stuff. Um, what we haven't really done and focused on is this growing uh, sense that you know colleges want to offer scholarships for esports, right? They they want to start bringing students in because of their competitive engagement and their skill set on games, which is like a new thing in the last mm -hmm. couple of years, right? So so new that colleges are now coming to me saying, "I want to do this. I have no idea how. Please help me," right? And we said, oh, "Okay, well these are these are athletes, right?" Um, playing playing video games is an athletic <laughs> endeavor. For for any of you who have done a marathon session on uh, on COD or on Cyberpunk recently or whatever, right? You know that it's an athletic endeavor <laughs> to be able to do it, right? Um, and uh, uh, we said, hey, you know, we can help you. We can help bring the, that those athletes together so that, uh, like, think of like a combine, right? So that you can look at the best the best athletes and offer them the best scholarships. And hey, we'll throw in money into the pot, right? So that we, we we bring the pot up. You guys just match it. We'll bring some partners in and we'll make this thing for high school seniors and juniors and freshmen in college who want to make this a real career so that they can see a path. And, you know, uh, I had the opportunity to then uh, like offer the scholarships and, and they had to sum all submit video submissions that talk about why they should win the scholarship. And man, I, I was moved to tears on a couple of them. Um, and they were talking about how it was going to change their lives um, if they won, you know, uh, five or $10,000 scholarship. It was incredible. And it was incredibly touching to know that as we were offering these scholarships for just something simple as being able to flip your car upside down and fly while hitting a ball into a digital net with a car, right? Playing Rocket League <laughs> could, could change somebody's life. It was absolutely amazing to me um, that, that we've come that far. And I'm at the forefront of that with this company. Nowhere else in this world could I do that. Yeah, it is. It is pretty astounding to see. And, and I talk about this often when it comes to younger cats who I find in the industry. And, and the, the thing that I that I always kind of go back to is like when you've hit a certain age and you've been gaming for a long time, the, the beauty of that age comes along with experience and with 
perspective, right? Which is, you know, you talked a, bit, a little bit about it earlier when you were playing, you know, Counter-Strike back in the day and cats were trying to pay you like 300, 400 bucks to win. You know, there yeah. wasn't, th- th- these pots didn't exist. These abilities to be That's on right. Twitch right. didn't exist. These, you know, these abilities to stream and make a living didn't exist in those ways. And to know that, you know, in some small way, the technology that we're building and the technology that's in the world now uh, is allowing people to think of their dreams uh, in bigger and different and, and brighter ways is is pretty amazing to know that like you're you're a sm- you know a small part of that uh, uh, ecosystem of, of of hope and I'm not gonna say hope and change because the people won't get in my behind about it but it's like it is a little bit of hope and change right it's like we're doing oh, some I, stuff I, oh, in absolutely this yeah. Absolutely. And I, I call that one out because I think it's obvious when we were doing like the Intel Extreme Masters where we are at those big pots that, yeah, obviously that's life changing stuff and we're creating careers and all these other things. Um, but I haven't had a professional actually send me a video that's like, hey, this is going to change my life because, you know, <laughs> that's like that's like LeBron sending a sending a note over to, you know, Adam Silver, like, hey, thanks for the, you know, thanks for the contract, dude. No, of course not. He knew he was going to get one. Right. Right. <laughs> Handshaking that we're good. Let me go. Let me go play my ball. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, I also want to, I want to, want to touch on a point that you talked about when you talked about kind of um, inspiring down, right? Where you're trying to um, inspire folks to to want to be be led and to and to, to kind of lead a group of folks towards a goal um, in some of those ways. One of the things that I have found extremely uh, uh, beneficial and and exciting and um, Good not only for for my for my work environment but for my work mind has been having a black manager. That has been a part of a lot of the conversations that I've had with folks who were like, "Yo, Kai, how's your job?" I was like, "Yo, it's dope," and I get to talk about black stuff in my one on ones and never feel weird about it. It is kind of amazing that I get a chance to do that. <laughs> um, yeah. at, at this level where you're 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 Great. rubbing it. Uh, yeah, like rubbing elbows with folks who, uh, you know, we, we hardly see a lot of us at the table uh, when it comes to getting higher up into some of these some of these uh, industries. Um, what's the conversation been like with your peers when you're like, hey, I am the black dude in the room who's making these decisions that affect all of these folks uh, within the gaming industry? And I and I, I I'm not going to He-Man throw my sword in the, in the air, but like I have the power to help do this stuff move in these directions. <laughs> How does that kind of feel, and, and what are the conversations you're having with with your peers? Oh, man, that's a loaded that's a loaded question. Uh, <laughs> so again, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna be real, uh, right? Um, and, and say that you know there are times to He Man, right? There are times to be like, I have the power. We're gonna go do this, uh, and you know. Uh, I'm doing this because I'm the black guy in the room, and I'm the only one. As I look around, which, by the way, is true uh, at at you know the staff on which I sit. I yep. Look around, I'm the only one. The staff above that, I look around. There's not one. There's zero mm. uh, on that staff. And the staff above that uh, is the CEO staff. Like that's our executive leadership team. Look around. There's one, and we just hired him, right? And so between me and the CEO in that, there's two, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, on any of those staffs in my in my direct chain, and it's like, kind of sucks, mm-hmm. right? And I'm uh, so I'm the co-chair of our our kind of leadership council uh, for our for our black folk at, at our company, um, and it gives me the opportunity to sit down with those leaders and say, yeah, this sucks. <laughs> we need to do something about this, and and so 
I'm going to do two things. One, I'm going to lead from my seat here in this gaming space because it sucks in the gaming space too. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to change that now. Uh, and and so, you know, we're, we're doing some stuff. We'll talk about that, I think, in a minute yep. uh, about some of the things we're doing uh, in this space within our team, right? But I want to lead first and say, hey, here's some of the things we can do. And now show you, executive team, here's the stuff we can do if you just put your mind to it. Here's all the stuff that I need your resources to do. And here's what I need you to do for us as a community at this company um, and try to go make a real change. Um, you know, just a couple stats for you, right? So uh, I give the anecdote of my own kind of thing. We're about 3% black folk at, at Intel. Yeah. Yeah. That's high. Yeah. <laughs> right in in the tech industry, yeah, uh, it's high in the game industry, right? It, it's it's like two x, I think, what the numbers it's are only, yep, in, the, in the broad gaming industry, right? Yeah. And and it's like it's it's crazy how how small our communities are, um, which means that every time you know uh, one of us does get a seat, that I think it's incumbent upon us. It's an obligation, I feel, to have to do something for us. That doesn't mean you do something against others, right? right? But it's a there's a deliberate feel to, I have to bring people along. I have to create opportunities. Uh, and like, you know, I think you've had other people in this show talk about, I have to be three times as good uh, in order to keep that seat and make sure that that seat is warm for the next one that comes along. Right. Yeah. I think it, it, it reminds me often of a, and I might've told this story on the show uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago, but I remember very specifically on my orientation day, there was one other brother who was there with me. Um, and we you know you did the black eye head nod. Was like, yo, I see you uh, in the room, and we, and we kind of looked around. Yeah, you did the head nod. You're like, I see you. Um, and you know, we'd see each other throughout throughout the the, the year. We you know you pass each other in the cafeteria. We give each other the head nod. We say what's up. We chat. We clap it up. Um, and I remember very specifically, he um, came to me. He was like, yo, cock. And I talked to you for a hot second. I was like, yeah, what's up? Went and sat down, had some lunch. And he was like, man, I just don't understand why I feel like I get these eyes on me anytime I say anything in a meeting and I feel like it's because I'm black. And I was, and I was like, well, one, you're probably right. We're here in, we're here in Oregon in the Oregon campus. Uh, maybe that's a thing. Don't discount that because that could be a thing. Um, and two, he was like, what do I do about that? I said, well, understand this. It is extremely uncomfortable. I understand. I have been that person for many, many years at many, many jobs. And I understand that. Here's what I want you to think about though. Your blackness is a, a wonderful card to be able to have in any room that you're in. I said, your experiences make you very special for every conversation that you're in when you're in every meeting that you're in, because you will see things exactly. that no one else will ever see. I said, and if that's you think exactly about right. that and you keep that as the thing that's in the back of your mind, that will put you in every spot that you ever want to be. And he looked at me like I had three heads. And was like, yo, Kai, I don't know. These cats, they might be racist. And I was like, I said, I'm not going to say yes or no if they are or not. But remember that thing is that the things that you have lived, your lived experiences give you a leg up on everybody in that room in a significant way. It's so real. We, we need to stop thinking about our blackness, uh, our, our color, your gender identity, whatever, whatever it is uh, for you. Um, as as a weakness or yeah. as uh, an Achilles heel and start thinking about it as our shield. Start thinking about it as our armor, as our sword. And especially in this time, and uh, let me give you a quick story. So this year, <laughs> this year was rough, uh, <laughs> right? Um, 
just for lots of reasons, yeah. so many reasons. Yeah. Uh, this year has been many years, right? But, uh, you know, in, in early to 2020, <laughs> right? It seems like so long ago, um, uh, you know, with all the civil unrest and everything, what ended up happening because I'm the only in many of the rooms, that means that for many of those people, I'm probably their only black friend or their only black colleague. And so I ended up having a bunch of people just pick up the phone and say, hey, I don't know who else to call. You smile a lot. And so I think you're not going to yell at me about asking this. I, I feel comfortable asking you this. Right. Uh, what should I say to black people right now? How are y'all doing? And I'm like, well, first, don't say that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, I like, but, but I love that you're asking because that's the first thing, recognizing right. that there is a difference. Like that's, right. that's the place we need to be at. And, and using that moment that we've had this year to be able to actually affect some real change yeah. for individuals, for our community, for our external communities, uh, all of those, that's the sword. That's the point when, when people are looking at you to bring your experience to the table, to bring your expertise of your community, whatever it may be to the table, so that you can actually affect some real change. And I'll tell you now, more than anything, now is the right time to go to go use that. Because if not now, fucking win, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think I think one of the most eye-opening things I saw from the company, and we're going to talk a little bit about some of the work that we've been doing together and, and kind of trying to you know fix and, and, and work on some of those things from, from a company perspective. One of the things that opened my eyes up more than anything else this year was seeing a letter from our CEO, Bob Swan, saying that we were going to donate from a company from, from an Intel perspective, we were going to donate a million dollars towards Black Lives Matter. I saw that email and closed my computer. I was like, what is happening? What is going yes. on right now? Because you were so happy that it was a million dollars? Well, well, exactly, exactly. Well, exactly. The, well, here's the thing. Here, here's the thing. My expectations when it comes to how corporations and, and again, uh, you know, oh, let's, I, let's, let's be real. honest about it. Like my, my, my expectation from corporations is for them to give what somebody thinks is the right amount, right? The, the what fact that we gave any, dollars. yeah, yeah, yeah. A million dollars. You know, and again, I, I, I'm the person who will not let gift horses in the mouths, but I think the, the thing that stood out was if you look at what BLM was classified as three years ago and what, a huge Fortune 500 company gave in any form or fashion to a company that, if you talked about that in non-hush terms, there were many people in the gaming industry, there were many people in tech who were like, that's a terrorist organization. We can't give them money. And we gave Black Lives Matter a million dollars. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not jumping up for joy. I'm not playing the Knicks theme music, but I'm like, yo, it's better than what I see a lot of companies do in that respect. So I think that's one thing that I thought was interesting from a company perspective. And then having conversations with you about, again, what we as a company can do a little bit better. Do you remember the day I kind of came to you with the hypothesis about like what I thought around the, 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 the kind of money thing that we did with, with BLM? Do you remember that day? I do remember that day. Yeah, yeah. It was an interesting day. Yeah. So 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 the gaming industry yeah. was was deep into the conversations around BLM in June, especially around the conversations around uh George Floyd uh George Floyd's murder. And the yeah. the, the conversation was bubbling and bubbling, bubbling around why 
the gaming community just now saw black people when we were in our most painful moment, right? Um, and that got the wheels turning from, you know, my perspective, from a lot of folks' perspective. We were all, you know, chatting in, in, our, in our work groups about, you know, how, how can we figure out a ways to do this and how can we figure out ways to, to be effective during this time when a lot of us were hurting, um, visibly hurting, audibly hurting, um, and we kind of reached out to each other for to, to, to commiserate. And it, and it brought up an idea that I'd constantly talked about, about, you know, DNI is a very important layer to all of the work that we do. I think it's one of the foundations of, you know, empathetic consumerism in a lot of ways. There's a lot of layers to that, that, that touch each other in those ways. And I, and I started the conversation with you about, you know, where we were kind of at from a, a DNI perspective. Um, and one of the things I really appreciated that, that you shared with me was, that you were like, oh, if we're going to do stuff in this space, we're not going to like front around and kind of like mull around and beat around the bush with stuff. We're going to actually try to make some change happen within our group and look at that conversation from a DNI perspective in a broader sense. It's not just about our group. And then hearing you talk to your higher ups about this and then seeing those folks be excited about it and, and wanting us to push even harder was really, really cool. I'd, I'd love for you to share a little bit of conversation about, or at least some of your viewpoints and perspectives about, you know, where you see us kind of moving from, from the Intel perspective in this DNI space in the, in the gaming, in the gaming vertical. Sure. Let me, let me, uh, let me touch on two things yeah. there. Um, first, you know, I want to go back to that million dollars uh, to BLM. It was, it was to BLM and other organizations. Yes, just it's to true. Be clear. That's true. Uh, but, uh, but I'll tell you, I, I closed my laptop also when i read that but for a different reason i think hmm. uh, and i was being a little facetious earlier i, I didn't think it was enough <laughs> oh yeah I, I i looked at it and i was like you know that was a dr evil one million dollars and everybody starts laughing like that's nothing what are you talking about hmm. <laughs> right um the heart's in the right place right and wanted to step out and do something and uh and we've since increased uh, how much we we've donated and how much we've done through a, a variety of matching and just straight donations uh, in part because a bunch of us were behind the scenes like yo that that's a pittance hmm. right um yes thank you yes thank you for stepping up yes thank you for putting your money where your mouth is um but it's not enough <laughs> right so let's do more um and and bob to his credit and the executive leadership team actually you know listened to that and have done more Mm. um over time as well um but yeah i was i was actually mad when i saw that um and that's probably probably a little bit of entitlement there like oh million, <laughs> that's not enough right uh but i mean we work at a company that made 70 billion dollars last year right right uh <laughs> and 20 percent of that was profit so 14 billion dollars 15 billion dollars of pure profit and you're gonna give a million bucks that's you know that's like a ten dollar bill for for one of us right and it's like right. that's what it felt like um and, and so uh though we appreciated the intent and we've since corrected and kind of continued on that intent trajectory it's it's one of those scenarios where it's like you know the road to hell is paved with good intentions you know you do nothing you get you get yelled at you don't do enough you get yelled at yeah. right and so they at least they did something and i'm really appreciative that we work at a company that is willing to put its money where its mouth is and correct uh, when told otherwise, right? So that's the one, one first thing I wanted to say. Yep. The second thing, kind of back to our group, um, and, and I think just kind of the through line here is that I, I think that if we're going to do something, like you said, I feel like we need to do it in a way that is consistent and is, you know, 
more than sufficient, not show up and be inconsistent and insufficient <laughs> to try to fix a problem, right? Um, and so, you know, it's like, look, if I'm an investor, I'm going to invest here for, for years. I'm not going to do it for a quarter or for a project so that it can just die, you know, a couple of, a couple of months from now. And so a couple of things that we've been doing, you know, we, we've uh, partnered with an organization to try to, you know, I, the, I don't know if you want to talk about the foundation or not, um, mm. uh, Kyle, but, you know, uh, we're partnering with an organization to try to amplify new voices um, in the industry, in the gaming industry, because I think that's one of those things where if we can bring more people that look like you and me, uh, more people that are of different genders, more people that uh, are of uh, different sexuality, are of different voices and perspectives, to lend them perspective to the industry, you know, the studies show that businesses profit from that, that it's it has real business value, that it has real industry value. And yeah, it's the right thing to do, but it's also the profitable thing to do. And that's that's the kind of argument you have to make when you're talking to business leaders, right? right? Um, and so we're doing we're doing that uh, uh, kind of in conjunction with that we uh, uh, we've we've shipped out and uh, a couple of systems to a couple of people of color uh, to stand them up so that they can stream and add their voices to the collective consciousness of social media, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, to to put a little more shade in that stream um, <laughs> and. and and, and we've started uh, kind of doubling down on places where we can use our kind of big war chest as Intel uh, with companies that have diverse boards and diverse leadership that are driving technology and driving a change of experience for the industry uh, outward. So we're partnering with ICAP on that as well. So we're, you know, what we're trying to do here are multiple year, you know, multi-year things that will have long lasting, you know, scale and impact because it's really important to me with this seat at this company that has this scale um, to be able to actually make an impact now and in the future. Yeah. And I think it, it directly speaks to the, the thing that we saw a lot in the gaming industry and especially in the circles of marginalized underrepresented folks, especially during that June to, you know, March, March, April, May, and June, and then kind of a little bit towards, you know, ending around in August when the conversation even got hotter about, well, all these companies are coming in and swooping in and kind of, you know, playing their vulture role when they see us hurting and, and coming in to say, hey, come on our shows and hey, make content with us and do all this kind of stuff. And everyone was saying, all this energy is going to leave. It's all going to go away. And what are we going to do about that? And I feel like this, the stuff that we're, we're working on now um, is addressing that in a real tangible way. Like you spoke about the, um, the kind of the influencer stuff that we're working on. I am, I am helping to, to drive some of that, um, at work, uh, currently, I think the, the, you know, the, the, the idea around that particular project was, you know, holding, holding Intel's feet to the fire in a, in a, in a way by saying, Hey, I am a consumer. I'm also in the industry. Mm -hmm. I look at the way we market a lot of the things that we market and I don't see a lot of me in it. And what do we, what do we do about that in a real tangible way? I think again, that visibility is really important to, um, to showcase, uh, for folks. But again, like when, when we had that conversation and when we were talking about it, I had to turn that hearts and feelings a bit off because I know that the folks above us, they, they care, but there is a profit and loss conversation that has to happen there. And how do we talk about, you know, yeah. doing the DNI work that also 
then gives us the ability to to grow uh, not only Intel, but of, of course, the rest of the gaming industry, visibility on folks who deserve it because they bust their asses and they make good content and they do good stuff. But also, we get, we then get to work with those folks and they get to attach themselves to us to say, like, I am working with a multi-billion dollar Fortune 500 company. Look at me now. I'm doing something that no one else in the space is doing. Um, right. I feel like that multi-pronged conversation is is super important for a lot of people to understand of, you know, it's not just about making people feel good that DNI is working. It's about it's consistently not. putting steps down so that people can grow and that people can, can kind of yeah. get into places that they didn't get into before. That's right. Yeah. There, there's, you know, I've always felt like the best way to get somebody to do something is to, you know, uh, make it self-serving for them and yep. corporations, survive off profit and so you got to get down to the profit motive if all you can stand on is that it, it just feels good then at the end of the day you know uh, in, anything that changes in the industry or anything that changes in the environment that'll be one of the first things to go the hearts and minds comments now that said right i think we're in a moment right now where there really are things that are happening that are happening because again they're just the right thing to do we don't do everything because of profit but i think yeah. at the end of the day to have scale reach and longevity it, it does have to, right? If you're going to have to really drive a full program um, and actually do something different and make a true long lasting impact, I think it does have to have that, that kind of tie to a profit motive for it. And, you know, one, one of the things that is, is always interesting to me when we, when we talk about stuff like this, I look around at other companies and kind of see what they do. Um, right. You know, I, uh, I, I like their food. I shop there sometimes, but I'm going to give Whole Foods some shit for a moment. You know, they, <laughs> they, their CEO was like, hey, yeah, you can't wear any of those shirts uh, or anything. You know, you can't wear a Black Lives Matter. You can't wear a I Can't Breathe shirt here. Uh, you also can't wear MAGA hats. You can't wear any, you can't wear anything, right? Nothing. So we're killing the discourse by just chopping everything and you can't do anything, right? Mm-hmm. And they got a lot of, they got a lot of shit for doing that and rightfully so. Because I, I think that, you know, you get the best out of people as a corporation if you can let them bring their full selves to work. And, you know, this year especially, there was this disorienting moment when I realized that I didn't have to compartmentalize everything and leave it at the door when I came into work, <laughs> uh-huh. right? That, you know, oh, wait, they actually want me to talk about being black? Wait, this isn't a, this isn't a trick, right? Like, he's really asking me this. I really need to answer this question. My boss, my boss's boss, like they really, they really want to know. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to tell you and you're going to deal with it. Right. You, you're about to take all of these emotions right now. And we had executives <laughs> like crying on the phone because we had these open listening sessions as people were just blasting them with everything that they were feeling. And they were like, I didn't know that this was happening with people in my organization. We didn't know. Well, that's on you, dude. Like yeah. <laughs> you didn't know because you weren't looking uh, we're not hiding it, but we're forced to kind of compartmentalize, put blackness at the door when we walk in and put the mask on, you know, to to come to work. And this year was the first year, the very first year I ever felt truly and honestly that I didn't have to do that at all yeah. for at least some period of time. Right. I feel a little bit of slipping back right now, but I'm, I'm doing my best to try to keep, keep the mask up. Right. And, and I keep reminding people, Hey, you know, I'm still black. We can still do this thing still and still keep that impact going. Right. But uh, yeah. <laughs> to make sure that it doesn't slip. Right. Uh, but yeah, this is the first year that I felt that. Yeah. It was a weird, like COVID has been a, 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 you know, if you're looking at the teeter totter, it has been more of a curse than a blessing uh, for lots of different reasons, oh, wow. for lots of different people. But yeah. I think, 
that having everyone be that hurricane. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, it was it was it was a weird kind of ability to because we're all home and the expectations are very different um of being able to uh let down some of those walls and 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 have people basically have people sit with the emotions that we go through and that we talk about um you know in our own circles that sometimes don't make it into those larger yeah. forums which is which was pretty great to be able to to do it has given a lot of at least I'll speak for myself. This is giving me the ability to feel like I can think about different things in terms of work uh, in the ways that the, the connective tissue usually doesn't kind of touch. So synapses, they fire in a different way now because I'm like, oh, I didn't have a space to be able to talk about this and how that actually connects to work and how those things make me feel. And then how I, my performance is connected to all those things in this avenue and how all those things kind of revolve around each other it has been really refreshing uh to, to to see that happen in our group and then have that be kind of the the impetus for the program that we're going to talk about really quickly which is i think that we're doing a a really cool thing we're, we're running this pilot program um that you know the hypothesis that kind of started it was you know the george floyd incident and seeing all those conversations in june um, and I got in front of my research folks in, in the squad and said, you know, we have a lot of us talking about this. We have a lot of folks who are really interested in this information. And how do we kind of talk about that? What if you took the black dollar out of gaming for a year? That was the hypothesis. So you take every black person who is being hurt or who has decided that they do not want to be engaged in the, in, the, in the pastime that we all love for a year and see what the financial hit is in that space. I'm not going to say the, say the number because I think it's too low and I don't think it actually gives the right number to, to, to share what that is, but it's a significant number in terms it's of a lot of money. It's a lot of money that we as consumers, as the culture, as first movers bring into the gaming industry. So again, flipping that, flipping that, that, that chair around and saying, yeah, we understand that you as a, as, as a company, uh, you know, not talking about Intel, but everybody, actually everybody, we know that you want our money. And we know that when it's February and you make your commercials about the black community, that that's great because we all see it and we all talk about it. Thank you, McDonald's, for the jingle. Um, <laughs> but it is one of those things where we're just like, where does your power lie? You know, if you can't get people to, 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 to recognize that you're a human being, What's the thing that you can get to make people stand up and notice you? And a lot of times that winds up being your financial status. And that winds up being the amount of money you bring to the table as a collective. Um, and that kind of started the idea in my head of like, what can we do within the gaming industry that both helps to bubble up new people who, who need help, uh, gives us the ability as a company to talk to folks that we usually don't get a chance to talk to and hopefully infuse them into the stuff that we're doing because we need that if we're going to be a company of the future. And how do we bridge the technology gap that a lot of content creators have, that a lot of folks in the technology space have, especially within our underrepresented communities? You know, LGBTQ, LGBTQIA, you know, Black, Brown, all of our communities, right? How do we figure out a way to do that? So we started this, this, this pilot program that kicked off, uh, actually will kick off at the end of this week uh, with two folks who we're going to be kicking it off with. Um, and the idea is to get some of those folks some some dope gear um, so that they can continue to use that gear to build out 
and build up their communities, the conversations that they're having, the content that they make, which we've seen during uh, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter be so important to the conversation around the ecosystem of getting information out to folks and figuring out ways to grow your own communities around you. Um, and then we're going to continue to do that not only for December uh, with a bunch of folks there, but we're going to do that for all of 2021, uh, where we're going to be building that out and, and finding folks in those spaces, bringing them into the fold, uh, giving them some sweet gear, and then letting them continue to build all the things that they are trying to build with the communities that they have uh, focused around smaller and kind of medium-sized streamers. Um, I'm actually really excited because the folks we're going to be kicking this off with are folks that you all know and love at home. Um, my favorite uh, rib maker, uh, Paris Lilly, and our wonderful friend, Aaron Ashley Simon, are going to be the two folks that we're going to start this program with. Uh, two folks who I truly believe in. I think that they do something very special in this industry. Um, I think that Aaron and, and, and Paris have continued to not only be folks who have built amazing communities around the stuff that they do through positive energy, through fantastic work, through uplifting other people and giving them other opportunities and not pulling the ladder up when they move through a door. Um, but I think it is one of those moments where we get to have two folks who kind of start this process with us who are deserving and, 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 and can help light the way for a lot of other folks in the space. The hope at some point, and this is, this is the dream I shared with Marcus uh, a couple, a couple of uh, weeks ago, you know, we, we had our, we had one of our one-on-ones. He was like, you know, what's the kind of future for this kind of look like for you? And I was like, I want to see these folks, Paris Lily, Ari Ashley, Ashley Simon. I want to see all the other folks alongside them. When I walk into a big store, I want to see their faces in those places that are just like, here's some Intel stuff. Here's some Intel stuff mm -hmm. over here. I want to see them in those positions. When you go to the game award and you see that Intel commercial that we wind up putting on it or wherever it may be, those are the folks that you see in those spaces. Um, I think that's the thing that actually changes the conversation in a bigger and in larger way. So, you know, make sure you're checking out their, uh, their social channels uh, coming up on this Friday. I think they'll be sharing uh, some of the cool stuff that, that we got them uh, and uh, talking a little bit about why this is important. Uh, for this space. And I think, you know, Marcus, the, the thing that I've appreciated, especially has been when I came to you with this as this cockamamie idea, you didn't shoot it down and was like, hell no, nah, we're not going to, we're not going to do that. Um, that doesn't make any sense. And that's silly. Um, so, uh, you know, thank you for, for letting my, yeah, I think, I would have shot it down if it was a bad idea. I appreciate that too. <laughs> like that was terrible. That was a really bad idea. I don't think that's really that's really smart. But I, but I, you know, I, I think when we talk about this from the the industry perspective, um, you know, we'll, we'll we'll step out of our intel boxes for a minute. I think when you see the industry right now, what are some of the biggest holes that we see in the DNI game when we, when we have that conversation? I think you know you're having those conversations with your higher ups all the time. We're having it internally within our groups, but I think you as a gamer who also is running this big gaming group, I'm sure that you're thinking about ways that we can figure out ways to make this better and, and grow it and, and, and produce more uh, stars in this space. You know, it starts with representation. I, I think mm -hmm. we often under uh, undervalue, uh, we talk about it a lot, but I think we even still undervalue what it feels like to see somebody that looks like you 
in the space that you're interested in or, or on a TV screen. And we saw it with, with Kamala, right? Yeah. Um, and all the different memes that have come out uh, around that with her, all the positive memes, uh, the ones I'm talking about, to be clear. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we, we've seen it in gaming where, you know, you see when a black character, I was, I was with my brother, uh, I showed him Shadow of War because it was, it was the, the free monthly game on PS Plus last month, right? And uh, one of the free skins uh, was a black guy from Gondor, right? And yeah. you, could, you, could use, you could use him. And Keith was like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. I'm playing as a black guy killing orcs <laughs> right and you know we were sieging things and he was like you know uh, rapping and everything while he was doing it my brother's my brother's a goofball um but but seeing yourself on those screens um wherever those screens might be is is huge um that's why that's part of the reason why i agreed to come on this podcast right uh right on the stream because this this looking at this screen right now and seeing you and seeing me talking about games, talking about it in a way where we're actually impacting it long-term like that matters. Somebody out there, this might change, you know, this conversation might change their direction and what they want to go do. So, um, so representation, representation is number one. And that goes from the content on the games, on the screens, right. All the way up through the people who are developing them to the people who are making decisions about what systems they play on, like you and me, right. And the technology on which it gets played. Um, and the people who you see on screen talking about these things out in time. I think we're still vastly underrepresented in each of those uh, areas. We're getting better, right? Um, we've gotten better on the content side first, I think, because it's easier to sh change some shades of skin uh, than it's, it's much harder to you know, put executives in places with the background experience and the expertise to actually go, you know, trust somebody with billions of dollars of, <laughs> of profit motive, <laughs> kind of back to the point, right? Uh, so that's going to be harder, uh, but, but that's number one. That representation uh, problem is number one across the board. Um, the, the, the second thing that I, I think that I, I think where we've had this conversation is, and this is less about representation and more about, I, I'd call it pipeline in education and talent. Mm. So um, I, I was having a conversation recently with, uh, I won't say their name, but a, a name you would definitely recognize as a very large name uh, in, in the publisher world as a founder of one of the biggest publishing companies. Um, and they were doing a thing and they were like, hey, Marcus, you know, what we really need right now uh, is to, to find you know, diverse talent to, to bring in. We want to we build this company right, starting from ground zero. We have no idea where to find it because everywhere around <laughs> us out here where we are, you know, all these schools, it's all, you know, 95% uh, white, Asian, Indian, right? Um, and yes, there's diversity in that pool, but where do I find the black and brown? Where do I find, uh, right, uh, the uh, all the, the other kind of spectrums of color? Um, and I was like, well, I've got a list of schools of great engineering talent. I'm glad you asked, <laughs> right? I've got this great list of HBCUs. Uh, I, you know, graduated half from one, right? So let's let's go, right? Um, and I pointed them to some talent, and they started making some hiring decisions. But that's the kind of conversation that it's incredible to me that we're still having here in 2020, though maybe 2020 is the wrong year to pick, uh, but 2021, <laughs> we're still having, right? Because any conversation is open in 2020. Um, but it's, it's amazing that we're still having that conversation about where to find talent uh, for this pipeline of engineers, of people who are, you know, putting their real engineering talent or their real uh, development talent or their real marketing talent or their real finance talent or whatever talent. Um, we need to be in all of those places too, because then we can be at the seat 
behind the scenes, helping drive impact that's, that goes broader than, than what we've been talking about. So th- those are the two places I would say. I think I think that nails it. I think that is again we're we're all trying to figure out ways to move that needle in that positive direction to figure out ways that we could not only leave some legacy within the industry, I'm sure, with the work that we're all trying to figure out how to do, but also trying to figure out ways to again leave those doors open that were open for us by other people and leave those ladders down for the folks who are trying to climb up and get in. Um I found that to be an extremely important part of that. I think that you have done a fantastic job at fostering a group and a community and a, in a, in a work work team that, that allows that to be a part of that ecosystem. And it's, and again, it's been, you know, we've only got a chance to work for, you know, half of this year uh, together, uh, but it's been extremely important to, to see uh, you drive that as, as a, as a foundational part of the work that we're all doing every day. Um, so, so, so thank you for that, uh, as a part of that. And thank you for signaling up to the folks who are above you, how important that stuff is because it makes going to work a lot easier (laughs) knowing that people get it, uh, and, and are trying to get it when they don't get it. Um, so that makes those parts extremely, extremely helpful, uh, for me as a worker bee in that group as well. So, um, yeah, I think that's You're more a, than a worker bee. Don't, uh, don't downplay yourself here. And and this year, you know, I know we've been o- only really working together this year, but in dog years, that's like a decade. So, uh, <laughs> you know, thanks for <laughs> thanks for continuing to bring that to the table. And you know, the community who's listening uh, know that there are folks like me and Khalif back there trying to do this stuff. Uh, reach out to him on Twitter. My Twitter's not up there, uh, but me through him, I guess. Uh, <laughs> hit me up and we can have that conversation because we're, we're always willing to listen to the community um, because we want to do bet We want to do right by you. Yeah. Yeah. And we're trying to do better by, by, by everyone in that, in that space too. We're, we're trying to figure out good ways to, you know, through this program, through the Amplifying New Voices stuff, through some of the research stuff that we've been doing as well, of trying to figure out better ways to talk to the community. And, and me as the person in that group who's um, kind of helping to spearhead some of that stuff, um, that's the most important for me is to remember that, you know, I think of every job that you do, and especially the ones that we have as customer support jobs, the customer service jobs. We are listening to you at home to try to figure out best ways that we can serve you and figure out ways that we can get you to do the cool stuff that you want to be able to do in the best ways that we can. Um, that's the show. That's me. That's all that stuff. So, the, you know, all those things kind of connect in that way. Um, Marcus, we're going to let you go. Thank you so much for coming and rocking with me tonight. It is, again, uh, our friends in Chicago. Lots of folks in the chat right now have been like, yo, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for for jumping in and, and sharing and giving your full stuff to, to all of us here in Chicago tonight. My pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you, Marcus. Yeah, word. I'm excited. We got to do this again uh, when we get a chance to get more stuff in the world. So don't worry. I'll bug you. I know where to find you. (laughs) (laughs) Have a a wonderful night. Uh, Speak to you a little bit later. That was Marcus Kennedy from Intel General Manager of the Gaming Group there. He is brilliant and amazing. It is dope to be able to work with that cat every day and get a chance to, you know, build really cool things uh around gaming this is the the you know everyone who's known me for ever when i had my blog that had like four people on it uh they knew that the work that i wanted to do was get into the video game industry at some point and now uh being able to do that work uh with dope folks like marcus and other folks who who i talk about on the internet all the time is really the biggest win 
Um, it is the best part of being able to do this work in the industry. And hopefully the work that I'm doing in it is going to hope, uh, hopefully keep some more doors open, uh, that I had a chance to have people let me walk through as well. Um, we have a lot more show to go. We are blowing through this episode. It is almost an hour in and we haven't even hit the news yet. So we have to do a little bit of that. But before we do that, we're going to go and give our love to our wonderful folks over from PUBG who are sponsoring the show. PUBG Mobile has been rocking it. We've been rocking it hard with them. Uh, we're going to check out a quick commercial and then we'll come back with the 411. This episode of Spawn on Me is brought to you by PUBG Mobile. Spend the holidays with PUBG Mobile, one of the largest and most popular battle royale games on mobile today. Gear up, drop in, and compete against up to 100 players. Battle for a chance to become the winner of that special holiday chicken dinner. Join in on special holiday events during December to earn unique rewards and enjoy the winter festivities in PUBG Mobile with your friends. Download PUBG Mobile today from the App Store or Google Play Store and play for free. Yo, what up, everybody? This is the Spawn Me Podcast. I'm your host, Khalif Adams. We are back from our break. Shout out to Marcus Kennedy from Intel for coming and rocking with us this week. The conversation was dope. If you missed it, you please you need to go handle that business you messed up i don't know what you're doing over there not getting that stuff together in your mind and in your body and in your soul you need to figure that stuff out and make it happen we have a lot of cool stuff to talk about this week in the show um it has been a wild week everything has been all about cyberpunk uh it has been nuts to be able to see the conversation that has happened uh within this space and i knew going into it that it was not going to be fun I knew with the energy around that game that there were going to be lots of people who are going to be upset. There's going to be a lot of people who are upset, uh, who are mad, and there's going to be a lot of people who are not excited. I did not know that in between the time of me starting Cyberpunk and seeing the initial reviews and having like 20 hours in now at this point, that most of the conversation would have gone from game of the year material to holy shit, this game is broken and what the hell just happened to CD Projekt Red. Uh, it has been wild in terms of the conversations that have been happening there, but I think uh, it's 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 rough, y'all. Like I I personally um, have been having a really good time with the game. I have been playing a bunch of it. Um, we would have talked about it in our what we've been playing segment, but it's literally the only game I've been playing, so we're going to talk about it now. Um, and I think the the layers of the pr botches on one end the conversations from the trans community not being excited and being happy about the way that pr has talked about that specific community the way they've been displayed and and talked about within the games itself the all the minutiae around the botched uh launch of the game the game being super buggy we have cats doing the the the, the bynum the andrew bynum t pose in the game we have so many things happening in this game right now that it's all over the place. It's everywhere and nowhere at once. Um, the most recent conversation that happened uh, during all of this, because so many folks were upset with the copies that they got, especially on the base consoles of the Xbox One and the PS4, um, have been wild. Because from a from a producer standpoint, from a game production standpoint, there were lots of conversations that went into the initial review phase where 
a lot of our folks, a lot of our uh, brothers and sisters and, 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 and peers within the space were like, so what's up with the console version of the game? We haven't seen anything about this at all. We've just seen the PC one. We've seen that be the one that's kind of been out in the world. And we've seen nothing from CD Projekt Red about the console versions of these games. And we kind of know why now. <laughs> that joint is broken. Um, it is not working well. There are issues on the PC side as well, but it seems like the console ones are getting the worst and the brunt of all those bad, um, bad, bad uh, bugs, which I think is super wild because in a statement that wind up coming that wound up coming out a little bit earlier in the week, uh, high ups, higher ups in the in the in the space talked about not necessarily being as honest as they needed to have been when it came to the conversation around that particular part of the segment. Fast forward to a couple of days ago, or probably actually I think it was yesterday, CD Projekt Red, or, or, or a couple of days ago, CD Projekt Red puts out a statement that basically says, hey, if you're having an issue with the, con with the content, you're having an issue with the console versions, go to your local Xbox and your local PlayStation store and see if you can get a refund. If you've ever tried to get a refund on the Xbox store or the PlayStation store, you know that that is like, every level of Dante's Inferno. You're not going to get help in that space. You're not going to be able to do the things you need to do. And it is pretty awful going through that process, having to get online and go through a two-hour call, which is what our friend Patrick Klepik has been sharing in one of the pieces that he did uh, for, for Vice about how to be able to get a refund and having the stories of people talk about how bad that, that wind up being because a lot of the, the the online vendor stores are not honoring the the refund. They're saying, uh, you know, the, the, I guess the line has been, "Hey, in January, uh, per CD Projekt Red, there will be a couple of big patches that will go out into the world, and that will rectify your purchase of this bad game that you wind up purchasing here in December." Uh, but you have to wait until February, basically January, February, to get the game that you spent sixty bucks for. That shit is wild. That is madness right now. And it's weird because you would think that at this point, and I think this is going to be a, a thing that we've seen happen in the PC space, which I think has gotten a lot better in terms of refunds from places like the Steam store and things like that. Like we've seen those things get a lot better um, in the ways that they work, but it has been really difficult for a lot of different, a lot of different folks to be able to get their game to be able to feel like the purchase was reasonable to feel like that stuff was working in a good way and to now have this other roadblock happen and it's not because sony and and xbox have specifically set up roadblocks for them in this way but i do think it is something in which the ways that online and especially digital purchases work still has a lot of stuff that's wrong with it we've seen with the Steam store where they have a, a pretty lenient uh, way of looking at it, but it is kind of capped at two hours of gameplay. So if you've gone over two hours of gameplay, then you are kind of out of that window of being able to get a refund for a thing, which for games this big, you're never going to see all the problems that the game has in the first two hours. Games like this are huge. These are hundred hour experiences. And to cap a thing at two hours is super weird. It just doesn't make sense in terms of the ways that people actually play games and the way that they consume them. 
So we're going to have to see some change happen on that, on that part of the conversation. We're also going to have to have a change in the way that we see that on the Xbox and PlayStation stores. Uh, you know, various folks are having so many different versions of this conversation, so many different versions of bad experiences with a game that I talked about this online on Twitter the other day. I'm sure most of the folks, when it comes to the, with the console side from the consumer side, are pissed because they spent their 60, 60 bucks on a game that is basically unfinished uh, and wasn't really ready to be to be out in the world. I can just imagine what the Xbox execs are talking about right now behind closed doors when they put out marketing dollars. They had Keanu come up on stage. They had a lot of the energy that was around this game, especially after Halo Infinite got pushed back. This was going to be the game that was going to be that really nice stopgap for them to be able to get into 2021 and then start to put out some stuff that's going to wow us from a first party perspective and for some third parties there and to have this game flop as badly as it has in, in lots of different ways fucks up their whole launch too that's an even worse thing for them as opposed to sony because sony still had miles morales to go out and, and demon souls as bigger games that people kind of cared about in that way Microsoft is still trying to figure out how they're going to kind of get out of the hole from launch. Uh, and, and Cyberpunk was supposed to be that game that was supposed to help them. It was supposed to look the best on Xbox hardware and play the best on Xbox hardware because they had done the work to work with CD Projekt Red to make that to make that the case. I, I, I can only imagine what folks are saying in those groups, in those rooms, in those backdoor uh, conversations about how they got kind of screwed by CD Projekt Red. Um, I, I, it is going to be a wild conversation come January, February to see what happens in those patches. If there's anyone who actually gives a shit at that point and how that works in terms of, you know, is there going to be some restitution that's in that space for them, for the Xbox group? Is there going to be some conversations there about, you know, how, how does this reflect upon CD projects red to make games on that platform in the future? And this has definitely left a huge bitter taste in so many gamers uh, mouths who were witcher stands forever who were like you couldn't say anything bad about projects project red and i and i'm and mind you I'm, I'm having a really good experience i like the game a lot it has issues it has some stuff that doesn't hit well um i'm gonna play some after the stream um but i feel like the the way that that conversation has wound up happening has been so toxic from so many different angles and so many different people um, that now it's like one of those things where you're just like, even hearing the word cyberpunk for a lot of people now just raises their hands and be like, no, nah, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to deal with it. Um, I just can't rock with it in those ways. It's just, it's just one of those things. But, you know, uh, companies have bad games. You know, hype is a horrible thing often sometimes. Sometimes it's a great thing, but sometimes it'll backfire on you uh, in lots of different ways. And it'll be really interesting to see how that plays itself out moving forward. So... Wow, I hope I hope folks will be able to get their refunds to get their stuff together because that's not super exciting uh, for that. I do want to talk a little bit about though, uh, for a hot second, real quick moment about this one thing that I think a uh, friend of the show Tony Polanco uh, over at the Coalition talked about uh, on Twitter the other day was one of the things that they had talked about um, in the uh, messaging that kind of came out from the higher ups and the execs was that they were working on the console versions a bunch um, before 
the launch of it. Like they were still trying to knock out a whole bunch of stuff on that side. And one of the things that Tony brought up, which I think it was a, a reasonable point, even if it, you know, you have to give CD Projekt Red the blame where they, where they deserve it, was the conversation around maybe trying to build this out for previous gen and having it still be on previous gen might have caused not necessarily issues, but when you stop focusing on the next gen and trying to figure out how to blend those systems together and blend those ecosystems together, you don't get the best product sometimes. I do wonder about that. We have we have a Gamertag Radio in the chat right now who's saying, bottom line, the game wasn't finished. The delay in April should have happened. And it goes beyond bugs. Systems are broken too. Yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot of stuff in that game that when I think about the game itself, um, and that's a, that's a great point. Uh, hopefully that's not Paris on that thing, because if it is, we have to ban him. Um, that talks about the systems that are the underlying parts of this game. Like, yeah, it's a beautiful game. Uh, I was actually, <laughs> I was actually saying in the in the Nvidia stream that we did. Check that Nvidia stream uh, that we did. Actually, that was pretty dope. Uh, shout out to them for sponsoring us and, and giving us a thirty eighty. Ching ching. Um, but the underlying things you see that are broken, like car AI is broken. Uh, those things don't feel right. Um, the way uh, uh, the world kind of reacts to you when you shoot a gun. Those things are weird. Of course, the T poses and bugs in there are, are funky and, and, and not and not up to up to par. A lot of those things are super weird, um, and they feel like they should have just been like fundamental things that, from a studio who has done pretty damn well when it comes to you know group AI to world building to all that kind of stuff, um, that they should have nailed some of those things when that was like the biggest bridge to the conversation that they were having. I do wonder though if if trying to kind of build these games on last gen hardware and next gen hardware and PC did it did, did cyberpunk a disservice I I won't say it's the full blame on that I won't say that that's the case for everything but and I won't say that I believe the execs off off a of GP but I do think you wind up seeing you having to cut a lot of things and having to shortchange some stuff when you have to do that many generations of stuff. It's a generation and a half, basically, of, 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 of trying to make sure all those things are connected and, and work well when you have less things to work with and, and resources on a base PS4 or even a PS4 Pro uh, as opposed to a PC or a PS5 or an Xbox Series X. Like There are things you have to just leave off the table and not incorporate into that kind of stuff, which I think is a thing that if you want to give the CD Projekt Red some grace uh, or if you want to give them some possible out uh that's a thing that you could possibly say um is in the mix there i do think they handled the messaging poorly i do think that they handled the preview stuff and the review stuff extremely poorly i remember asking for we, we had talked to folks about getting console cold console codes as well um just to see and i played it uh the other day actually i played it on stadia the other day and it plays great on Stadia. It is wild right now that that game plays better on Stadia than it does on dedicated hardware, which is wild. Uh, and actually, kudos and props to the folks over at Stadia for getting that game in a reasonable state where it's at the 1.04 uh, patch level uh, and it plays really well on there. It's not, it's not as pretty, of course. Uh, there's a little bit of uh, latency there, but it's so minimal that it feels like you're playing it on dedicated hardware. 
Um, so massive props to them for that, because that's not easy to do. They have figured out how to make that happen and made it work. Uh, so so massive props to them. So um, it is it is a wild time for 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 those conversations to happen. Uh, and you know, I don't. I I I feel a little bad for them. Uh, because I know folks who work at that place. I know places who, and I know folks who are doing good work in that studio. I hate to see any developer or any group of developers hurting in that way. Even I know people are going to be poo-pooing on me for that, for saying that out loud. But I think of all these people as people first, you don't spend eight years making a thing. And then, and then when it comes out and it's shitty, I don't celebrate that. I think that's, I think that's just evil. Mean people do that. <laughs> that's honest. Um, and we have a lot of people in our industry who do that because of all the ways that things have kind of played themselves out. But I don't, I don't, I don't celebrate people losing in that way. Um, but it is a thing that we have to then think about. And again, they will have to figure out how to come out of that hole. I don't think a game like this will have a resurgence in the same ways that we've seen larger games like a No Man's Sky or a you know uh, War War Warframe have. They just don't have legs like that in that way. A lot of the ideas around this game uh, also are dated in a lot of ways. They kind of talk about human beings in it. And I understand that that's supposed to be the edgy cyberpunk way. Um, but a lot of stuff that that you would think would hit in 2020 just don't hit in 2020. Like big walls of, of you know, fake penises. It just doesn't hit in the same way that the, the conversations that we've seen other games do it. So it will be really... Uh, uh, eye-opening to see how any of that stuff kind of works going forward for them. Um, the last story of the week and of the show is all about Twitch's uh, town hall that happened today. Today is Wednesday, the 16th. This will go live on the 19th. So if you're hearing this live, this is now Friday. Um, and Twitch has gone on, they've gone through it over the past years that, you know, there's a lot of folks who, who work during that, during that show a lot of folks who are behind the scenes kind of giving folks uh, new ways to talk about the work that they do. And I think, you know, some of the conversations there have been very interesting, especially around the ones that we see when it comes to moderation, when it comes to uh, the ways that we deal with each other on the platform and the ways that the platform deals with us through a monetary uh, standpoint, through through a moderation standpoint, through a making of terms of service and rules for us in that way. Um, and a lot of stuff got talked about, and there were three things that I think that um, the two two major things that I think were were pretty interesting and pretty profound um, uh, during that conversation. The biggest one was around for me um, some of the policy changes that the, that they were kind of poking for. Uh, total nonsense in the chat says policy changes are only as effective as their implementation of it. I'll be happy when I see it follow through on. I agree. I absolutely agree. I think that they are. The, 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 the letter of the law and the intent, and then there's the way that those things kind of get handed down. I will say that there were a couple of things that I felt were pretty smartly done, or at least were addressed. Now, again, we have to see if those things come to bear, and we have to think if those things come to, to pass, or if they're going to actually do something with the stuff that they're going to do. Uh, but there were a lot of conversations around their, around their new kind of like uh, hateful speech uh, conversations. And one thing that stood out for me very specifically, and I would say we'll probably put a link to it in the show notes because uh, it's extensive. I think um, Aurelian as well, Aaron, uh, Aaron, who was hosting it, 
a friend of the show, friend of Bricago, friend of Spawn on me, did a fantastic job of moderating the show. Um, but she had the COO on the show. Um, and I thought, you know, her name is Sarah Clemens. I thought, I thought she did a fantastic job of not only talking about the new policies or the way that those policies are going to be implemented and talked about, but she also framed some of those things in a way that made me understand that, you know, one of the biggest conversations and biggest gripes that you hear from our communities, especially is that we don't have enough of us in the room to help you make decisions when you make those decisions or when you make those changes. And one of them stood out specifically to me around slurs and language and, 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 and some of that stuff. And I want to play that really quickly for everybody uh, on the chat and, at, and, and listen in podcast land. We want to address the N-word specifically because I know that creates a lot of confusion. And so there are some slurs like the N-word which have a history of reclamation and colloquial use that um, is used to indicate belonging to a certain group or a certain community. And while these terms are traditionally tied to identity, Emmett said this right at the beginning, we don't believe as a leadership team that Twitch is or should be in a position to determine an individual's identity. And so in the course of developing the hateful conduct policy, we, we consulted with a really broad range of diversity and inclusivity academics on this topic specifically. And after really deep consideration, we ultimately decided to allow the use of some terms, including the N-word, that may otherwise be viewed as slurs, specifically in order to avoid alienating or limiting the expression of communities on. So it gets cut off a little bit because of the limitations on clips that you can make on Twitch. Uh, the question that was posed was, around uh, the n-word and if because the n-word is used by some people as a slur how do you how do you be how do you guide for that um in a way that you know differentiates how some some folks who have reclaimed it can use it and some folks haven't i liked her answer here i think i think she got a lot of shit unfairly for her answer here. And I think a lot of stuff in other places. Now, again, all of this comes to a space in which um, we have to figure out how it's actually going to be implemented and enforced and how it's going to work in all those different ways. I know that some of the conversations I even have at work with some of the stuff that we're working on, um, you know, we've, we, we, we talked about from a company standpoint of putting out this anti-toxicity tool um, into the world. Uh, like I talked about at CES maybe last year or something like that. And one of the questions that I would ask all the developers around it was we kind of know the super hard words that everyone hates and everyone knows are terrible words. I said, but what are you going to do when someone is playing a game of 2K and you hear someone be like, yo, what up, my nigga? And such and such and such happens, right? What happens then when you have that conversation um, and you have to then differentiate the uh, cultural colloquialisms that we have as black folks in the space, as opposed to you getting that one white kid who just rolls in and who's like, hi niggers, like you get, you know, hi niggers, I'm my niggers too. Like there's a difference there in real ways. I like how his voice was so high, <laughs> but there's a real difference there. Uh, versus the ERs and the, and the hard R's and the A's 
that we understand as folks in the culture, but a lot of other folks and even within Twitch land, I am sure there are people who are in those spaces who don't get it either and don't understand how those things work. So to a certain extent, again, we have to see how all of this is implemented. We have to see how all of this works, but I do appreciate her answer because it shows to me that somebody at least hip them to the understanding that the conversation is way more nuanced than what we usually see in the space. Again, they have to do the work of making sure the implementation is working well. They have to do the, the work of people false flagging stuff in ways that don't feel good and don't really actually help conversations happen. We, there will be a backlash from the community about that for sure, because again, the community doesn't understand as well. There's lots of part. I've been in Twitch chats where people are just like, why can't I say it? And I'm just like, cause you just can't, it's not for you. It ain't yours. That's the reason why you can't say it. Um, so there's parts of the conversation there that have to be again, uh, bloomed and, and proliferate throughout the, the industry to be able to understand that those things work again. That's a, that's a cultural thing. And that goes across all these things that are happening now. Um, there's a lot of folks in the chat right now. Control all Quinn says, yes, I feel like they aren't even reviewing reports deeply. Now, uh, TDH says it still kills me that, uh, that bitches bleep that on TV, but N word and hard R fly all day, every day. Uh, and control all Quinn says, yeah, that's before the TOS stuff. Yeah. I, again, like I think that there are again, conversations to be had, cause it's going to be an ongoing conversation. I do think that the, a couple of things that they talked about, and I'm going to read off of some of the notes that I took that I think were actually interesting on this as well was, well, a couple of things they, they posited as, as things that they were going to do was um, if there's a report that's been put out or that you report on someone, you will at some point um, get a notification about what happened with that report. One of the biggest issues that we see with Twitch reporting uh, and, and, and doing that work is that you can say a thing, you can be like, Hey, this person harassed me. I got receipts. I got all the stuff. I got all the things. I got all the things, all the chat logs, all the stuff. And you don't really get an understanding of if anything happened to those people. Now, during, you know, whenever they launch that part of it, I have a, a slide with the product roadmap in there in a second. Um, that will be a part of the equation now where you get to find out who the person was that reported you. And when you report on people, the, the report will be there in a way that supposedly will help you to understand if the right action was taken, how severe that action was and what that means for you going forward. I think that that is a reasonable start to the process, because again, you can't build trust into systems if you never know if they're working or not. Um, and I think that that is going to be a, a part of that conversation. Um, you know, banning channels that, that continuously are bad actors and doing some of that work, trying to figure out ways that you can ban IPs, trying to figure out ways that you can remove people from your chat and having all that stuff out of the space is still super important. Um, and I think, you know, those are the things that happen in those spaces. A lot of the stuff that I was a little bit disappointed was, the, 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 the TOS changes that are going to be in there for now are retroactive. They're not going to be retroactive, which I think is, is probably a problem. Um, because if you got your, your digs in early, uh, then you don't have to do it again. 
Uh, but most people will like to be repeat offenders, so they'll 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 botch it themselves and get themselves banned. But again, that's not happening until mid January, I, I believe, of next year. Um, uh, Total nonsense says, and they will get it wrong. There'll be mistakes of moderation going too far and not going far enough. That makes the nuance even harder. Implementation won't be perfect, but I hope it'll be better than what was happening now. And that's kind of where I'm landing too. Like I think uh, I I am more willing to give folks grace for trying than just staying pat and not doing anything, which you've seen so many other platforms not do anything. Again, I would love to have Sarah Clemens come on the show. I would love to get Emmett Shear on the show. I tweeted that out today. I was like, this is a perfect place to have these conversations because I'm willing to give you enough space to be able to talk through it with me so we can do that work for the community. Um, But I think I will give props when they're due I will also hold back applause because we're not there yet. But seeing the nuance in her answer gave me some hope and at least gave me an understanding that somebody in that moderation group, and maybe it was that that um, that panel uh, that they convened on with a lot of folks in that space that had you know dope folks on it that we know and love. Uh, maybe those conversations helped to inform some of this. And I think they went through some of those conversations as well, like how they got to here. Um, I think that's important. I think that that's helpful. And I think that that's a thing that we can, we can try to build off of uh, in good ways. And, and hopefully those ways will kind of benefit all of us in the, in the next step. Um, one of the other parts of the conversation that was really, really interesting was one around the DMCA issues that we see on the platform. Um, one of the folks that Aaron was talking to uh, was specifically working on that. And, and one of the questions that came up was basically, why doesn't Twitch buy licenses from the music, uh, from the music industry, BMI, ASCAP, Jazz Rack, all those places, uh, to basically let people stream uh, copywritten music on Twitch? And the answer that, that, the, that the gentleman gave was actually pretty nuanced as well and was pretty smart. I know people don't like that answer, but I but I'll I'll tell why in a second. The answer basically was that we could go and get bigger licenses for some of this stuff. Um, but the amount of folks that actually use it is is so low that the money doesn't make sense to go and get these big huge licenses to be able to buy this stuff out. So if you're not familiar with the way that some of this stuff works depending upon which platform you're doing it on, it's different if you're doing it on TV, it's different if you're doing it on movies, it's different if you're doing it in, uh, in music or podcasts and different streaming. It's different if it's on the internet versus on the radio. Like there's different licenses for different kinds of, uh, of, of playing of these kinds of uh, pieces of art. I remember, I remember looking this up before we moved over to Fanbyte because uh, when we did our deal with Fanbyte, I was looking to see if they could help us purchase a music license from ASCAP and BMI so I could play licensed, licensed music on our show again. We did it like way back in the day when we first started, didn't know, none, didn't know no better. Um, and the licenses and the delineations between the licenses didn't really cover podcasting in the way that we're doing it here on Twitch or in the way that we do it in the audio sense in our audio versions of our show either. It's like both ways don't work for what we're trying to do. Now, mind you, 
we would never play full songs. Like we would never do any of that stuff. We used to play like up to a break or like 30 to 40 seconds of a song and then cut it off and then come right back into the show. It was for nuance. It was for vibe of the show. It was for that kind of stuff. And remembering going back to doing that work earlier this week or earlier this year, um, it is a really weird layering of what you're supposed to be able to get, how much you can show, how much you can play. Like in a certain extent, especially if you do work on YouTube, it's even more detrimental to have that music in your stuff because they base every view as a play. And you're capped at a certain amount of plays per level of money you have to spend for that license for that music. It gets real in the weeds real fast about what's what's determined as a play. You know, do you have to pay for the whole song when you when you're really only playing like 10 seconds of a song? Like all those things, because the music industry is fucked in a lot of different ways, they've made it infinitely harder for companies like Twitch to be able to work with them. Someone also did bring up the fact that Amazon Music is under their umbrella and why can't they use that as a part of the process? I don't remember the answer to that. I don't know if it was sufficient. I can't remember. But I do appreciate the fact that um, they talked about the trickiness in making that thing work in that real way. Um, the other thing that I thought was was pretty smart that they showed was the timeline for the stuff that they're trying to do. One of the issues around DMCA was the fact that you would get notifications in your email um, and most people don't check their emails in that way. Um, and you get those notifications, you would just be like, oh, crap, I have a strike. I don't even know where I got a strike from. I don't even know what it was about. They're supposedly trying to figure out ways to help make tools so that that also shows up on Twitch directly. Uh, and you'll be able to um, dispute those things in real time. The problem I saw with this was that if you look at Q2 here in our, in our stream, uh, it says get DMC notifications on Twitch. And then in Q4, Q3 or Q4, which is three to six months later, you have a, place in your dashboard where you can counter that notification. I don't know if that's the same conversation that they're having there. I don't know if that's the same uh, part of that ecosystem in that conversation. It is a little bit more difficult to say, well, I just got this um, strike against me and now I have to wait three to six months until you get all the tools together for me to say, hey, that was wrong. When we see that the automated systems get things wrong all the time. That again is also weird. Um, not the best way to be able to do that part. I think that that's, um, it's, I understand that they're trying to get things out faster because the community is saying, give me things faster. Uh, I don't know if in that particular instance that that's the best version of that. Um, the other thing I do think is was actually a, a really interesting one was one about clips and VODs. Um, I do think that they botched that super hard, basically making everybody delete all their stuff and now giving them tools to do it. And then also, seeing how some of the stuff that they did when they had everybody delete all their clips and VODs still didn't work, which is wild that that was a thing that was like, what that thing still didn't work. Like, how did that, how did that happen in some of those ways? It just doesn't make sense to me. Um, it just didn't make any reasonable sense, but I do think, um, and I'll, and I'll put that up really fast. Actually. Um, there are, I, again, I am hopeful that if I'm putting on my, most optimistic hat and giving people some grace. Some of the things that are in this in terms of the, 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 the way that we're thinking about moving forward and giving people more options to be able to do the work that they do 
is are pretty smart. Multi-track uh, audio stuff for OBS, which I think is important for separating if you do play music out from the stream. Sucks for me because I use vMix, so that's none of the tools that they put out work on the stuff that I use. So that kind of sucks for me. But if you use OBS, then you're good. Editor access to clips. Again, having someone else be able to help to, to offload some of that work is, is good. Unpublishing VODs, I think, is actually really important for a lot of different people. I think that's smart. Uh, being able to do that in batches in Q1 in 2021, selecting batches of VODs. It's really just weird the way that the stuff is getting rolled out where you're getting half a tool and you got to wait another three months to get the other part of the tool. But this is their roadmap. They may go faster. They may go slower. But it is good to be able to see it. Um, and again, everything else on this roadmap is about VODs and, and being able to, to, to change and, and, and fix deleted stuff and, and, and things in that way. So it is... It is a a really interesting road that they have kind of moving forward. I think that they have um I, I'm I'm happy with some of the things I heard in the town hall. I think it was a pretty transparent town hall. I know a lot of folks in the in in the community are not excited about what they heard. They felt like it was a lot of bluster and there wasn't a lot of actual stuff and meat on the bone. I, I, I am I am more optimistic. And 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 uh, looking at that with a with a different lens than than a lot of people, I think that there is some decent stuff to to begin to have those conversations with. And again, I think that the the the, the main takeaway is they have shown their cards. As always, we are the community. We already see how things get broken. We already see how things work and don't work. We get to continue to hold their feet to the fire. And if we decide that the the, the, the platform isn't doing what it needs to do for us. We can withhold our, you know, withhold our spaces from it. We don't have to stream on Twitch. Of course, the other versions of those places aren't as great. You know, YouTube is probably the only other viable spot to go to. Facebook gaming is decent, but it's not in the same way if you don't want to support Facebook. But I do think if the, the, the tools are becoming more and more uh, uh, useful then we should give them props if it works and then we should continue to hold their feet to the fire when things don't work and, and guide them towards the places that they that, that we that we can see. Uh, one of the things I remember very specifically before we get up out of here was the conversation that happened in the community often was about, well, there's, again, none of us in the room when these conversations are happening. If you remember some of the stuff that went out earlier this year around black folk, some of the people who made those decisions were black folk. So that's the answer I have for you. It's like, just because we're in the room all the time doesn't mean that we also get good decisions that get made from the same people who we want to have in the room. You have to have the right people in the room who have the right understanding of the way the community works and is deeply in contact with the community so that they understand the potholes that wind up being there for everybody else to hit. So with that, um, you know, we're going to get up out of here for this episode of spawn on me again thank you to everybody who came through tonight uh, who rocked with us in the chat mad love to you all out in Chicago. massive love to marcus kennedy for being our guest this week had a blast talking to him uh, i'm sure our work emails are going to be real interesting tomorrow morning <laughs> when it comes to conversations there uh we're going to definitely be doing uh our stuff with uh thursday night football Tomorrow, if you're listening to the live show here on Twitch, uh, we will be doing our version of Tank City again. Tank City, baby, tanking it all day, every day uh, tomorrow. 
uh, here at twitch.tv slash spawn on me. Massive love to everybody in the chat. Uh, and again, we have some cool stuff coming. Uh, early 2021, uh, the studio, the basement studio is almost finished. I have a couple more things to work on, but the basement studio is looking real dope. I have to say we have once we have the studio part of it set up. The entertainment part is not going to set up for a long time because I need money <laughs> and I need people to help do that other kind of stuff. Yeah, no, no rack rack city. It's all tank tank city in here. Uh, but again, massive love to you all. I hope you're all doing really well. I hope you're having some time and space to be able to give yourself some grace. Uh, I hope that you're going to be able to find some time to celebrate with your loved ones during this holiday. Uh, Hanukkah is happening right now. Uh, all my Jewish and brothers and sisters. Happy Hanukkah to you. Uh, all of our Christian brothers and everybody else who, who, who celebrates Christmas, happy Christmas, Merry Christmas. That's coming up real soon. Happy holidays to everybody else and all my atheist friends who don't celebrate nothing and all the other people who don't celebrate stuff. I see you and I rocks with you too. Cause I love y'all because <laughs> I know I'm an atheist too. So I know people will be like, nah, I ain't celebrating shit. <laughs> so I get it and I understand and I reason with it. So uh, we have a lot of dope folks to be talking to soon. We, I think we should be having a guest actually next week as well. Um, uh, and then we're going to end out the year. I'm still debating on if we're going to do the Spawnies. Uh, I haven't had any time to think about the Spawnies. I really want to do the Spawnies again this year, uh, but it's just been super busy. Uh, so we'll see if we're able to do that stuff uh, and make that happen. But I'll keep you all posted in Bricago. Uh So remember to keep it locked. And uh, thank you for subscribing. Thank you for sharing. And, and keep doing that work for everybody here in the Bracagas. All right, y'all. Peace, y'all. Have a good night. <laughs> <laughs>